Some people argued that the apostrophe must stand for the missing word his, so John his hat. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Well, hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Paul, last time we were talking about apostrophes. Uh, so much about apostrophes going into every little detail and we promised that this time we were going to come back and talk more about the origin of how the apostrophe got into the English language to indicate possession. And I talked about a blog post that you had written called the possessive apostrophe, his origin. So what did you say in that blog post? What's the summary report? If you look back at writing in Shakespeare's time and for a century or so afterwards, you'll often find an odd construction for possession. Instead of John's hat, it will be John his hat. And one theory is that um, grammarians who were studying this situation of, of how to do possession um disagreed about what the apostrophe was supposed to stand for. And um, the ES could also be an AS in certain words. And Jana's hat, uh, something like that, would have been said. So anyway, when it turned into John's hat, some people argued that the apostrophe must stand for the missing word his. So John, his hat. This is a very sexist idea, by the way. It doesn't work for Sue, her hat. It's always his. And um, it's an odd construction that you're not likely to run into unless you read a lot of old literature. As it was written, usually modern editions change all that sort of thing. It would change the his into an apostrophe, yes. But anyway, it's a very tangled subject, and I did a lot of research on it for this blog post, and you can see the results in the blog. It's not entirely certain how this odd construction uh, evolved. The upshot is, though, as I say in the book, um, that bloody apostrophe probably didn't need to get in there. <laughs> we could have gotten along fine without it. I mean, people don't confuse a possessive with a contraction normally. And it's not, uh, if we just had one it's, I don't think there would be a problem. But we're stuck with it now. The easy answer would be, of course, to say, okay, just stop using apostrophes altogether. But that's not going to happen. Because the mistake people make is not omitting apostrophes too much, it's putting them in too much. Far more often, the apostrophe is a mistake because somebody's used it when they shouldn't have. And that is just about impossible to eradicate. It's really hard to deal with. The it's situation is simple. If you can just hammer it into people's heads, I-T apostrophe S always means it is never means anything else well it could mean it has yeah that's true that's true and it can mean it has so it is or it has is it's it's been a long time since i've seen this mistake but it's around <laughs>
So that's the short answer. And I would say 90% of the problem passages that come about because of apostrophes that get you in trouble with teachers and editors and so on could be taken care of if everybody would just remember that rule of thumb. It is, it has, then it's an apostrophe. Otherwise, no apostrophe. Well, the confusing thing about it's, it's, uh, when you put the apostrophe in, that is for using the pronoun not as a possessive, but when you use the pronoun as a possessive, you don't use the apostrophe. Which goes against the usual rule. Uh, Yeah, right. But this is in line with other pronouns, um, hers, his and hers. We don't ever mess around with the possessive apostrophe in pronouns, but we do mess around with it in nouns and proper nouns. I have rarely, it's true, seen H-I apostrophe S. <laughs> yes. Which is obviously wrong to most people. Sure. And I've seen H-E-R apostrophe S and H-E-R-S apostrophe and all of these things yeah. as errors. And one that violates that pattern of pronouns um, not using the apostrophe and the possessive is one One's hound should fetch only one's grouse is the example I give in the book. Mm-hmm. And you have to use the apostrophe for one. And Americans don't use one to mean a person as much as British people do. Mm-hmm. But if you do decide to use that, one reason to use one is if you're trying to avoid the distinction between his and hers, you don't want to choose a gender. Um, her vote his vote. Um, so you could say one's vote. But when you throw in one's vote, got to have an apostrophe before the S. I have heard people hypercorrect the word one, claiming that there's no such word as ones with no apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not true. The loved ones, there are lots of pad expressions and other expressions that we use that are spelled O-N-E-S with no apostrophe whatsoever, and it's perfectly logical and correct English to use it that way. Yeah, they count them by ones and twos. (laughs) Exactly. What else are you going to say? So there is a plural form of the word one. It sounds a little funny, I guess, but uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It, Right. In fact, there's everything right with it if it's what you need. The most common ones are occasions when it means examples or instances, or people. So just pick the ripe ones, or um, stay close to your loved ones. And also in an arithmetical expression, uh, put it in the ones column when you're teaching second grade math, right? So those all are uh, legitimate uses of ones, O-N-E-S, without an apostrophe. Yes, and as we mentioned before, ones is the exception to the pronoun that will employ the apostrophe when you are trying to make it possessive. Right. Yeah. The examples I used in the book is no one's listening. This one's for you. Right. And in no one's listening, that's not possessive, but that's... That's a contraction. A contraction, yes. Okay. Right, and this one's for you is a contraction again. Yeah. Um, But let's go back a little bit to uh, just forming possessives. One of the things that people get confused about, especially, is proper names, Mm -hmm. proper nouns. So uh, you've got one right there in your name, Paul Bryant, and you've got a Z sound, not a S right at the end. So it really sounds like it's already possessive, 
what do you do to to make a possessive with your name? Yeah, well, in the first place, uh, this is a name that goes back a long time in Ireland, and it's spelled various ways, B-R-I-E-N, B-R-I-A-N, and the way my family spells it, B-R-I-A-N-S. And this is not one of those misspellings that occurred uh, when people came into this country. It, it occurs in Ireland. When I was in Ireland, I discovered there were Bryanses there. And... Um, to make a plural of a name like that that has an S on the end, you add an ES. But to make a possessive, um, what we usually do is put the apostrophe after the S, even though that is not signifying a plural. It's just Paul Bryan's book as B-R-I-A-N-S apostrophe. However, people write it all the time with an apostrophe in it. I get letters, uh, emails addressed to me, dear Mr. B-R-I-A-N apostrophe S. And people just get this in their head that when you have an S at the end of a word, it's got to have an apostrophe in it. My name is not the only thing that happens, but I'm particularly sensitive to it because it happens to me all the time. Plus, people wanting to separate out the S lead to lots of people addressing me as dear Brian. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Brian can be a first name, and somehow they look at that Brian's and it just triggers something in their head, and you know, it comes out, Dear Brian. So I get a ton of stuff addressed to Brian. Now, when I used to teach people that uh, it was sort of a remedial spelling and grammar, English tutoring and classes, I always tried to simplify it by saying, if it is singular and you need to make it possessive, just add apostrophe s. Hmm. So even if it was a proper noun, a name mm-hmm. like Brian's, I would tell people go ahead and add apostrophe s. Mm-hmm. He's only one person, Paul Bryan. So it's Paul Bryan's book. Even though we don't pronounce the extra s when we're saying it aloud for people's names, just go ahead and stick apostrophe s. You will not be incorrect stylistically it may look a little funny you i know have a preference for not doing that and i do too but was i right about that oh yeah yeah okay that's okay it's a little harder to remember but that way you can avoid making a mistake Uh, i think in edited writing it's not so common but a name like the joneses creates problems already got an es in there yeah and that's worse than Brian's because it's not just got an S in the end. It's got an ES. And then if you have to pluralize it, it needs another ES. And in this case, um, you can't just add an S. That Jones, <laughs> that just looks weird. So it's got to be the way you were suggesting with ES, ES, and then the apostrophe at the end, Jones's house. The Jones's house. And uh, people put often uh, signs in, out in their yard saying, the Jones. Okay, so it's their house. But you don't need an apostrophe to say the Joneses live here. If you want to just say the, the family living here is named Jones, you could just put out a sign saying Jones, J-O-N-E-S. But if you want to say the family made up of people, all of whom have the last name of Jones, live here, then it was B-J-O-N-E-S-E-S, but no apostrophe. However, I would say that in the majority of cases, people throw an apostrophe in there. Mm -hmm. 
I mentioned this back in uh, when we first started talking about apostrophes. I talked about a blog post I had written about its and its. Um, in that blog post, I mentioned this very thing about the sign that gets posted outside of people's houses. And um, the way that I put it was the sign hanging in the yard of your neighbor's house probably should have no apostrophe at all. It should read the Smiths with no apostrophe. Hmm. That's what I think. I think so, too. But there is some possibility some wiggle room. If you want to put an apostrophe after it, you could say it's kind of short for saying this is the Smith's house. I could see the logic there. But of course, you can't see the logic of saying the Smith's on its own with nothing following it. S-M-I-T-H apostrophe S is just an error. Yeah. But there's another name that causes a lot of problem, and that's Jesus. Mm. Jesus ends with a U.S., which is pronounced the same as the E.S., the schwa sound, as linguists call it. And um, if you're a preacher, do you say in Jesus' name or in Jesus' name? Mm -hmm. And you hear both. But how do you spell it? Mm -hmm. So Jesus's is pretty awkward, but you can do it. J-E-S-U-S apostrophe S is acceptable but when you're saying it out loud jesus is most of the time that just doesn't sound very good so most of the time people just put the apostrophe after the s in jesus j-e-s-u-s even though it's not a plural Mm -hmm. it's a name that ends in s so you put the apostrophe and just leave it at that in jesus name and you'll that's 99 percent of the time i think in edited material that's the way you'll see it Sure, and that follows the pattern of your own name, Brian's. Mm -hmm. Even though it's singular, just add the apostrophe. This is all true for proper nouns and names, but when it comes to common nouns and names, you need to be more careful about that, because if you've got a plural noun and you want to make it possessive, just add the apostrophe. But if you've got a singular common noun, you really need to add the apostrophe S to it, even if it ends in S. Yeah. Okay, people get confused for good reason, right? Right. And so common words, um, a plural example I was just thought of was the cows mooing, the mooing of the cows, and the crows cawing. And both of them are plurals at the end, so you put the apostrophe comes after in each case. Now, it gets more complicated when two people or entities possess something. And so you hear people stumbling as they try to say this because they're not quite sure how to do it. So that's why in the book I see when writing about jointly owned objects, people often fret about where to place apostrophes. So the standard pattern is to treat the two partners as a single unit and put an apostrophe only after the second name. So John and Jane own a villa in Italy. And you would say John and Jane's villa. So it's only Jane's that gets the apostrophe S. Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Uh, And if you just remember Ben and Jerry's, that might help you remember this. That's the standard way of doing it. By the way, the John and Jane is a reference to my wife's uncle and aunt who she lived with in Rome when she was a young teenager for uh, part of a year. 
and in a villa he was working for uh, the United Nations actually in, in Rome um, but I thought it would be a nice little tribute to them to imagine them having a, a Roman villa he's John and Jane I often throw in names like that from my personal life just for the fun of it well if you add more people so you not only have two you still use only one apostrophe Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice's party and it's only Alice that gets the apostrophe S. This gets more complicated if each person owns his or her own item. Then each owner gets an apostrophe. John's and Jane's cars. They each have a car separately. But if it was just one car that they jointly owned, it would always be John and Jane's car. So John gets no apostrophe S in that case. So then you can begin to introduce pronouns and it becomes murkier. Jane and his villa makes it sound like Jane and the villa make up a pair. So a common solution is to say Jane's and his villa. Now, this violates the rule I was giving you earlier about only the second person getting the possessive form. So that bothers some people. Not a lot of people. It doesn't bother me. I, I really don't notice it when I run into it. But if you're dealing with a picky editor or a teacher, um, then it could be an issue. How about when you have two pronouns? She and his villa is definitely not going to work. Her and his villa. Well, the problem like that is her and his villa. Again, it sounds like there's a woman and then there's this guy's villa and the two of them make a pair. And if you say... His and her villa, you remind people of the phrase his and hers. So it has a very different meaning, male and female, like his and hers scarves. So if you have time to think ahead when you're writing especially, I think the best way to deal with this when you're dealing with pronouns is to reword it. So um, Jane and John have a villa outside Florence. It gives you possession without having to use possessive form. Their villa is beautiful. It uses the word their, nice plural, that gets both of them owning the villa. Another way to reword it. The villa owned by Jane and him is beautiful. The problem is, of course, most people are going to want to put he in there, but actually this is an object, so it's a prepositional object. The villa owned by Jane and him. And if that bothers you, take Jane out of the formula entirely. The villa owned by him is beautiful, right? You wouldn't say the villa owned by he is beautiful. Putting Jane in there doesn't change the word that you need to use. It's still him. So the villa is Jane's and his. So if you put the villa up front first before the names, then that solves the problem too. Because then you can make both of the words possessive, Jane's and his. And the villa that he and she own is beautiful. Okay, I'm actually using the word own to indicate ownership. Um, and now you can't use eyes. It's not direction to my wife and I's house. <laughs> if you say directions to my wife and my house, that sounds like there's directions to my wife, who at the moment is out in the rain arranging some pots for a plant sale. <laughs> I'm back in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. I'm not with my wife right now, so you might need directions to my wife and my house. Yeah, so you're not going to say that. So it's simpler to just say our house. There are other awkward examples you might want to avoid. Your and my shares. Better to say your share and mine. 
Their and our shares doesn't work very well. Better to say their share and ours and his and her shares is not too bad, but his share and hers is better. Sometimes just using more words helps. Um, a lot of editors and teachers and critics have a fetish about always using the minimum number of words. Sometimes it really helps to spell things out. You need to explicate sometimes, and uh, economy of words is not something you want in situations like this. You just have to look at the situation. Feel free to use as many words as you need in these situations. That would be my advice. Right. Now, we were talking about proper nouns, that is, names of people earlier. But the other kind of proper nouns we usually run into are place names. And that is a whole different issue because uh, there's been a lot of pressure, both in England and America, to remove apostrophes from place names on road signs. And that extends in some instances to maps. So there are some places which originally would have had an apostrophe, which do not anymore. And the famous ones that get quoted a lot are Woods Hole, where it's a very famous research facility, and Pikes Peak. And both of them are now uh, considered to be officially spelled without the apostrophe S. Now, the market in Seattle. Pike Place Market. Pike Place Market. Okay, yeah, because it's on Pike Place. The uh, street that it runs into it is called Pike. Well, that's good to know. I promise I will never remember any of this, and I will always have to look it up to see if I've got it correct or not. Well, let that be a lesson to all. Look up place names and see how they are commonly used before you try to pronounce them as correct. Uh, Martha's Vineyard still has the apostrophe. Absolutely. And that has to be used. And I, I was amusing myself to looking for other examples. And one that occurred to me is Grover's Mill. You know where Grover's Mill is? Uh, I presume that's a Ray Bradbury story, right? No, no, it's Orson Welles. Oh! When Orson Welles took the novel War of the Worlds and turned it into a radio broadcast, he moved it from the outskirts of London to the outskirts of New York and invented this town called Grover's Mill in New Jersey. And that's where the Martians land at the beginning of the broadcast. Um, so if you wanted to refer to Grover's Mill, yeah, you'd have to put the apostrophe in. And, of course, War of the Worlds is a famous broadcast where everybody thought it was really happening at the time it was broadcast, right? Well, there's some controversy about that. You always hear that people jumped in their cars and started running from the Martians and some people committed suicide and so on. A lot of that seems to be urban legend. Very few people, in fact, really thought it was a real broadcast. But he went to extraordinary lengths to make it seem like one. and It's worth listening to. Um, but it's only the first 15 minutes or so of the hour-long broadcast that is in this form that might fool you into thinking. The, the story goes that people had hopped in their cars and fled for the hills uh, without presumably a car radio and uh, missed the part where it turned into a more conventional radio drama. But um, that does not seem to have happened very widely, but it happened just enough to make the newspapers and create a lot of commotion. And Wells loved it because even though it was criticism of what he had supposedly done by throwing the country into a panic, you know, any publicity is good publicity. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure he loved that. This is probably the most famous thing that he ever did. 
Now, wait a minute. Would that be more famous than Citizen Kane, though? Yeah, for a younger generation, it is, I think. I suppose. Okay. All right. Orson Welles did make that little movie, Citizen Kane. I mean, I, that's... Yes, and people who love movies know it, but I'll bet you <laughs> there are more people who know about this War of the Worlds thing. Okay. All right. Um, and Dawson's Creek is a uh, name of a TV show, which younger people would know, and also spelled apostrophe S. Um, when you see signs that are missing apostrophes, you think they ought to be there. Don't be too hard on the people in the vicinity because it's usually um, a rule that signs have all uppercase letters and no apostrophes. It's really unusual to see road signs that have uh, lowercase letters or accent marks uh, or any kind of diacritic. Mm-hmm. Now, business names get really complicated, and I did a whole thing on that. I think there's a blog post, in fact, on it. I had somebody who wrote to me who was a lawyer, peeved by the fact that the Albertsons grocery chain didn't put an apostrophe before the S in its name. And he was saying that he wanted to sue them, force them to put the apostrophe into the name. And it's just a convention that uh, stores, uh, businesses decide whether they want to put an apostrophe in or not. So Macy's does, and they have a long tradition of using a little red star to stand in for the apostrophe. You sometimes hear theories about some strange connection with communism that Macy's has because they use this red star as their symbol, but actually they used it before the communists did. (laughs) I think the communists copied Macy's myself. That's my theory. That's my conspiracy theory. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Right. Anyway, Macy's is with an apostrophe, and Starbucks doesn't. And then there's the strange case of Land's End, which mistakenly wrote their name in one catalog, I guess an early catalog, L-A-N-D-S apostrophe, and they are stuck with it, and they admit that that was an error. It should be L-A-N-D apostrophe S, Land's End. And you just have to know that. In any case, they're stuck with that uh, plural possessive which doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'm not quite sure they chose it. There's a famous place in England called Land's End at the end of the uh, Thames River, which is with apostrophe S. Mm-hmm. When uh, logo designers are taking the name of a company, they often uh, like to leave the apostrophe out just because they think it looks less cluttered. And it's the same sort of aesthetic preference that the road sign people have so you just have to remember it and sometimes you have to look it up if you're writing about a particular business you have to find out how does the company do it now there's a tradition i don't think it's quite as common as it used to be and i associate it with uh, maybe a little bit less educated people Um, but often people would add an s to company names as apostrophe s to say uh, i work down at the safeways now Instead of a work down at Safeway. Even using the article, even using the in front of Safeway is a little strange. Right, right. So that's not uh, standard usage. So I think we may be done with possession for the time being anyway. Yeah, now it's just convenient to remember if you're dealing with a common noun and you need to make it possessive, it's a singular common noun, you can always add apostrophe S, you'll be safe. Uh, if you have a plural noun and you need to make it possessive, 
and make sure you have the S on the end and then just that one little apostrophe goes on the end there. Um, we talked all about proper nouns and proper names and different styles that can be associated with that and ways to finesse the apostrophe to make it look cleaner and nicer on names. So Paul Bryan's book, uh, we all agree it looks a little nicer and it's completely acceptable, even though it's a singular to spell it B-R-I-A-N-S apostrophe. That's the quick summary of what we were talking about on possession. Yeah, so maybe next time we can get into the other use, contractions. <laughs> contractions, yes. All right, well, lots to talk about on apostrophes. Um, let's talk about contractions next time, and we'll wrap this up. Thank you, Paul. You're very welcome, Tom. So long. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.